Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. As I was saying last Sunday, that Christ, this gentleman, John, he said, I was on the Isle of Patmos and he, he had a revelation. Bible says that he started by saying that these things I'm writing to you from verse, verse, um, verse, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ given to his, um, the, um, to, to his servants, and he started talking about the church being the, testi- the testimony of Jesus, or for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God, he was in the Isle of Patmos, and then he, he continues by talking about how these things I'm saying, it, uh, this revelation is concerning the church, really, and the word of God. Then he, he, he said, I was there in the, in the house, in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me like a trumpet, a voice, and he began to speak to me, and the voice told me that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send, oh, come on. He, he was... In, this, in a state of revelation, he was carried in the spirit, and then he had a revelation, or he heard in his voice, uh, sorry, he heard in his ears a voice that, uh, first of all, explained to him or introduced himself, said, This is who I am. And after the voice introduced himself to him, the voice says that this, these things that you see or and hear, write in a book or write it down. Said, what you see, write in a book and send it to seven, the seven churches in Asia. So he said, in other words, I've got a message for the church. Who is this? Jesus. So really, the whole of entirety of Revelation is actually a, a message that was sent to the church. But not the church, but to the churches. He said, you could have said the church because it it encompasses everything, but he had to say seven churches because he was focusing on the local church, as I explained last Sunday. God focused on the local church. So he said, when I heard these things, I turned to see who was speaking, who spoke to me, and then the verse 12, verse, um, having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, verse 13, watch this, and in the, midst of the, uh, in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Let's all say one like the Son of Man. Yes. Now, the Son of Man is Jesus' favorite term for himself or title for himself. It was used by Jesus more than any other title he used for himself in the Bible. It's the Son of Man, the Son of Man, Jesus. So Jesus is the Son of Man. He says that when I turned, I saw in the midst of the candlesticks one like the Son of Man. Okay, and he was. He began to describe how he was looking like he was clothed with a garment, and his, uh, he had a breastplate. His head, how he, his head and his hair were like, and then his eyes were like that. And then, so he continued to describe him. His voice like a sound of many waters, and then, and then he had in his hands. So he started describing what he had in his seven stars, and his mouth two-edged sword, and he, was, he looked, his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Verse 17 talks about when he saw him, what happened to him, because you can't see such a personality and feel normal. Seeing somebody with two-edged sword from his mouth. <laughs> it's a serious thing, no? And his eyes were like flaming fire. 
his hair and his head, not only the hair, for um, those um, who say Jesus is black because the Bible says his, head, his hair was white as wool. He didn't say the texture. It was talking about the color. This is just school, schooling, English. He says that his, his head and his hair were white-like. So the wool was not in reference to the, the, the type of head, but the color of hair. Oh, this one too, you don't get to say, because of that, Jesus is a black man because it's only black people whose hair is like wool. He didn't say the hair is like, he said it's as white, it's white-like. And it's not only the hair, it's the head, the entire, it's like a, a statue, you know. The, the head and the hair were white. <laughs> and the eyes were f- like fire, flaming fire, sword. Coming out, two edged sword coming out of his mouth. Oh, what kind of personality? His feet were like brass. And guess he was wearing a, a long garment. And he had belt not in his weight but on his chest. Wow. This is a very interesting. And then, so <laughs> I think someone should draw this thing one day. I'm sure it should be somewhere. Someone has attempted to draw it on the internet somewhere. And he had a sword. Sorry, sorry, he had stars. In his, uh, uh, and the, verse, verse, verse 16, verse 16, it says that, and in his right hand, it's not in his left hand, his right hand, he, uh, seven stars before the, his right hand, he has seven stars. And this person, so when I saw him, verse 17, he said, I fell on my feet and worshiped. Now, one, he told us straight, it's Jesus, because the son of man. But if it was an angel, angels don't accept worship. Okay. All right, according to, I think, Chapter 9, Revelations 19, 9 and 10, or somewhere there. I think Revelation 19. Let's look at verse 10. Just, just to, and then uh, verse 9, verse 10. I, oh, verse 10, let's say verse 10. He said, I fell at his feet to worship, but he said, see that, that, uh, see that, that, that you do not do that. I am a fellow, the angel. So I'm a, I'm a fellow servant, and of your brethren, of the testimony. So he said, angel, angels don't accept worship. Genuine angels. They're fallen angels. The demons and Satan, they want to worship. So Satan told Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give you all the things of the world. Right? So Satan wants to be worshipped. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. So um, angels don't accept worship. But in chapter 1, verse 17, he said, I fell and I worship him. And then when I fell and worship him, uh, uh, worship, I, I fell as dead. Okay, so I fell before him as dead. And he lays his hand on me saying, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. This is Jesus talking. I'm the first and the last. Verse, and then verse 18 talks about how um, he who was alive, he, start, he still described himself more. He said, Amen. And I, ha- I have the keys of hate and death. Verse 19, write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. Now, this is a very important point. So he told him to write the things which, uh, uh, write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which would take place afterwards. Now, so he, he told him what to write, and then verse twenty, then described to him that the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my hands, the, in my right hand, the seven golden and the seven golden. So I said the seven stars are the angel of the churches or the messengers of the church. All right. So the, every church has a leader. He said, the leader or the angel of the church, the messenger of the church, they are the stars. And then what about the candlesticks? The candlesticks are the churches, seven churches. 
All right. So he said, when I heard this voice, I turned to see who is talking to me. And then when I turned, verse 12, the first thing I saw was a candlestick. A, 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 a golden lampstand, which is the same candlestick. Golden lampstands. And what is, Jesus said the golden lampstands are the church. And then he said, not just the seven, but in it I saw one like the son of man. But I realized as I studied, the son of man was, it just said I saw him amongst, uh, um, uh, in the midst of the seven. Do you know what he was doing in the midst of it? He was walking. Walking with the stars in his right hand. According to Revelation chapter um, 2, verse 2 and 3. He was walking with the seven stars in his right hand. Okay, so, um, oh no, verse 2. Verse 3. Let, let's, let's see what the verse 3 says. Um, all right, I think it should be the verse 1. Yeah, to the church, or the things say, yeah, yeah, yeah. This says, he who holds the seven stars right and walks in the midst of the... So he's been walking in the midst of the church. Is it not beautiful that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, according to Hebrews chapter um, 7, verse 25. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, inter, is interceding on our behalf. And at the same time, he's walking amongst the church, holding the leader, the messenger of the church. So when you come to church, you may see a leader like, like you can see me, but guess what? Jesus is holding me. So if I don't do my work where he will squeeze me. <laughs> Here. He will squeeze me. He deals with his servants. Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. Listen, listen to how he started. Revelation 2 1. He said to the angel, not to the members. Ah, ah, ah. What is the usefulness of a pastor or a Christian leader who can't hear from God? <laughs> when I say can't hear from God, I know what most of you are thinking. Having revelations and visions, that's not what I mean. Because then we have the sure word of prophecy. That's it. That's it. That's it. What, this, what is what I mean? That's it. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Steady to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. This is it. So what's the usefulness of a pastor who can feed people with Christ out of the scriptures, from the scriptures? So what's the, what, what, what? And gifts. And many people are looking for someone with special gift to do deliverance. How come you need deliverance at this stage of your life? At this stage of your life. As a believer. As a believer, delivered from the powers of darkness. And which, which other ones are having you? It's a flesh problem. It's your flesh. Satan hides in the flesh. Actually, he's in the flesh. So what you are struggling with, it is actually you who are hab- uh, cohab- No, you are, you are a habitation. You are harboring, that's the key word. You are harboring Satan and he's buffeting you. And you are, you are looking for deliverance. Live, the, walk the, the, live in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you can wake up and rise up to a, a pure Christian living, being fed and nourished and, and, and edified and strengthened in the word of God in the, or with the riches of Christ, if you can live that life, there's no space demons can be hiding you. Maybe uh, you don't know what you're talking about. All the dreams and things that, listen, what I'm trying to suggest to you, you think it's deliverance you need, but it's nourishment you need. That's it, that's it. I feel like preaching, you know. He said to the angel 
not to the members of the church. I know that's the pastor's opinion. Me too, I have. God is not going to communicate to you matters for the church. <laughs> Most people are out of order. Yesterday when we were... <laughs> can I tell you this short story? And then I will Yesterday, I, want, I like holding the Bible, you know, because I'm a believer. But at least you know what I'm holding. <laughs> it's nice to see a preacher with a Bible. No, no. With all respect to others who don't use the Bible. What did you say? It's our first love. What did you say? It's our first love. What did you say? It's our first love. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Yesterday, when we had gathered people and we, the place, the whole town center had become electrified and charged by our excitement in Christ. So, when we were, when we, everywhere we were, we are, we are excited about Jesus. No, no. We are unashamedly excited about Jesus. Some of you can't dance in church, but you can dance any other places. Other places. Wiggling your waist. Like a rubber in a street flowing stream. <laughs> you can't dance anyway. When you come to God's house, you are then you are shy. You are not confident about Jesus. You don't love him. When you love somebody so much, you don't mind how you hold the person in public. And and what is is the UK is the first place I saw it. And this then they put their hand in the pocket. As long as your husband and wife or you are getting closer to marriage, it's okay. Please let me continue. Let me continue. Wow, my time. Now watch this. So we were very confident about we are dancing in town. People stopped. Yes. One I think somebody said some one wise man said it's somewhere. I've been I've repeated it a few times that if you set yourself on a light, people will stop to watch you burn. They haven't noticed passion. That's right. People are leaving churches because the the churches are passionless. Passionless. Not excited. It has become a a community activity. We come and people are not excited about God. The reason why you come so late, usually regular, is because you don't have a heart for God. You are not excited. You are not excited. You go for other things early, but when you come to church, you finish stretching all your legs, all your limbs, arms, and then your neck. Then you walk. Revelations 2 1. To the angel of the church. Then he mentions that's the first church in Ephesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know that was not the first time a letter was a piece was written to Ephesus? Mm-hmm. That was not the first time. The first time was from Paul. He was in prison. Because chapter 3 said, I, 
Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 1. I, the prisoner of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. I, the prisoner of Christ. So he was in prison when he wrote this letter to the church. It looks like when people are away, God can really reveal them. Because this guy too was on the Isle of Patmos. When people detach themselves from you, isolate you, God doesn't, most of the time, if God is going to raise you and do something great for you, he will allow people to, to abandon you. I have seen abandonment, and I'm still going through certain levels of abandonment. It's necessary. It's necessary for your greatness. So don't interpret your abandonment. When people reject you, don't interpret it as God has left you. Because God is too smart to tie your future to someone who left you. Don't, don't, don't be afraid of taking a stand for Christ in spite of the fact that you face possible rejection. Abandon, people will abandon you. They will forsake you. David said, when even though my mother and my father forsake me, Psalm 27, I think verse 10 or so, say, even though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will pick me up. It's very important. When my mother, my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. God will not forsake you. He says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Say, lo, behold, I am with you always. Matthew chapter 28, verse 9, 20, yeah, verse 20. With you always, even to the end of the ages. I'm with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. So he says that in Ephesus, Paul wrote the letter to the church of Ephesus. Okay, the church at Ephesus. So that is why it's called Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, six letters. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 3, 4 to 6. And Ephesians is one, one uh, actually, is the only letter written to a church that was not addressing a problem okay. in the Bible. The all the other ones in Corinthians, they are messing up, so you have to sort a few things up. Corinthians, they like sex and a lot of things. Yeah. So when you are, you are, <laughs> when you are accused of Corinthianization, that means that a church is ridden with all kinds of sexual activities. And you, yeah, the church, <laughs> the church is not safe. The church is not safe. If you join the Corinthian church, you are not safe. So the letter was written to address problems. Galatians addressed problems with the law. The Judaizers were confusing them that you have to follow the law of Moses before you can be a Christian and all that. It was written to address it. In Philippians, it was written to address all kinds of arrogance in the church and trying to get them to follow things apart from Christ. And in Colossians, it's the same thing, ideology. So it says that don't let anyone deceive you with philosophy. Philosophy, Colossians chapter, I think, 2, verse 9 or so. You know, don't let anyone, verse 8, yeah? Yeah, let's be spoiled through philosophy and all those things. And then in um, Thessalonians, he was addressing problems. In, in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, that was written to a pastor. So he was dealing, he was addressing, addressing situations about doctrines and how a pastor should comport himself and all that. And then, so it's most of, but Ephesians was not written to address a problem. Ephesians was written to give an understanding of God's perspective about the church. So Ephesians is a letter that tells us what the church is from heaven's perspective. 
It's a very important letter. And do you know how Ephesians starts? Ephesians chapter 1, by, after he introduced himself and he gave them the blessing, uh, uh, sorry, and he gave God the blessing that uh, who has, uh, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according to. Then look at verse 4. Let's all read verse 4 together. Let's go. So he chose us that we should be holy and without blame before him. Watch this. Most of the time we mute the in love. In love. That love is talking about the love he has for us, which has also pro- produced a love for him. So when he wrote to the Ephesians, he started talking about this whole thing. It should happen in the sphere of love. Okay? Christianity happens in the sphere of love. Look at the last verse in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24. Look at how it ends. It says that grace be with all those who love. Did you see that? Yeah. This thing is a, it's a love thing. Grace be to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with sincerity. Amen. Now, that word sincerity also is the same word that was translated in 2 Timothy, I think, something like that. 2 Timothy chapter um, 1, verse 10, about who has brought life and immortality. Mm. You see, that word, immortality, abolish, uh, immortality is the same word translated as sincerity. So something that is not dying, something that is pure, and he says that, oh, death, where is your grave? For, uh, where, is your, where is your stink? And he says that for corruption, shall, uh, can take on incorruption, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, verse 53, somewhere there. Incorruption is the same word, incorruption. Okay, it's so incorruption, Okay, incorruption, sincerity, uh, uh, immortality is the same Greek word. All right, so we can use incorruption there. Those who love the Lord Jesus with incorruption. Nothing corrupts the love. Now, after telling us what the church is, the church is the one new man. The church is, oh, thank you, Jesus. The church is the one new man. The church is the body of Christ, Ephesians chapter 1. Body of Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, the one new man. Ephesians chapter 3, the mysteries of the church. Ephesians chapter, chapter 4, the fellowship of in, in, in the church, the love, the light, and all that. And then that's when chapter 5 talks about husband, wife, and all that. The life of the church. After saying all these things, and then chapter 6, the armor of the church. After saying all these things, he ends by saying that everyone must love God with sincerity or incorruptibility, meaning that these things I've told you about the church, for your love for Christ, for your love in Christ to be very authentic, it must be not fall, it must not fall short of these things I've explained to you. You must love, watch this, you must love Christ in the light of the fact that we are a body of Christ. So when someone steps onto your toe, you must love Christ that actually we are a body. That's how the love works, with incorruption, with sincerity, with immortality. Wow. So the love thing in Ephesians is very important. Now, the only way any Christian, watch this is a very important thing, the only way any Christian can enjoy or experience Christ is through faith and love. Without faith, you can't experience Christ. Without love, you can't experience, grace actually works by faith and love. So, without faith and love, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, that's a good text. Let's all read it from the screen, if you can. Let's go. With faith and love, I in Christ. One more time, let's read it out. Everybody, let's go. 
and the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant with faith and love. Which faith you can't experience or enjoy Christ without love and faith. It takes faith. What you bring to the table is faith and love. So say, tell someone it's a love thing. So back to don't forget about this love thing because Ephesians he spoke heavily about love. He spoke heavily about love. Actually, let me still stay in Ephesians a little bit with love, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave the Ephesians uh, love matter. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it talks about our love there. Ephesians 4, 2, it says that with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing, mm, that's Christian work now. Uh, do you know what it means to bear somebody? Do you know what it means to bear with? Sorry, bear with. Every time we have to call emergency service to attend to your emotional needs. What kind of person are you? Every time someone has stepped on my toe, someone has said this. Every time, are you not growing at all? And really, it is not pleasant to be in relation with people who every time, every day you don't know what's coming next. Every time, every time, like Bumblebee, whining and whining and complaining and complaining and whining and whining. And sometimes you desire that God set me free from this person. But we are trying to bear with you. We are very. It's a sign of Christian growth. In church, someone needs to step on your toe. Yes. Someone. It's not a must, but it will happen. Because some of you are falling out with your brothers, your sisters, your cousins. You lived for one week. You ended up fighting. Because it's just human nature. But you are still relatives. Yeah. I actually feel like preaching, you know. So to the angel of the church at Ephesus... And so he told them that, uh, sorry, let me finish Ephesians chapter 4. Thing. So bearing one another in love. And in Ephesians chapter um, 4 verse 15, it brings the love matter again. It kept, it kept coming up. But speaking the truth, did you see that? Yeah. Speaking what? The truth is love. Uh, speaking what? The truth is love. Some of you who work around me, speaking what? The truth is love. <laughs> in love. In love. <laughs> So in love, in love, in love, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 talks about in love. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2, walk in love. Did you see that? So this whole thing is a love thing, and it was the Ephesian church, God was telling this, writing to, the message to the Ephesian church is actually the message to the body. But look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. Wow. Is someone learning something at all? Is somebody learning something at all? Is it not amazing to be in church? Is it not fantastic? Now, sorry, I went to Galatians. I want to read from my Bible. All right. Before someone comes to accuse me, you keep saying, lift my Bible, and you never open the Bible. Every time, where's your Bible? Every time. But when you're preaching, you don't even make us open our Bible. You just put it on the screen for us. Okay, so now let's all open. At least. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, it says that, that he will grant 
you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Watch this, verse 17 is where the thing is. That Christ may do, this is, watch this. Uh, he was writing this to Christians. This is very interesting. This message, this letter was to Christians and he was telling them that that Christ may dwell in your heart. But Christian means that Christ is in your heart. But that word dwell, the Greek word is katoikio, which means that feel at home. (laughs) 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 That Christ may katoikio in your heart. That he may, you know, when I visit your house, I can't feel at home because I can't go to, I can't go to some places. When we come to your house, it's not everywhere we can go. Yeah, but when your when your best friend or whatever, the one you are open to, can go anywhere. Like the they feel they, you, in fact actually they have your key. They can walk there anytime, sleep or the only thing they can use is your toothbrush. But they can they can sleep on your bed. I mean, Christ may dwell. Katoikyo mean dwell means katoikyo, which means that he will feel at home, be in your heart and be at home. Some of us, you know, you are a Christian. Christ is in you, but he's not at home. (laughs) Ask somebody, is it not possible you are the one they are talking about? (laughs) That Christ may dwell, Christ may dwell, watch this, watch this. Where does he dwell? In your heart. All right. So it says that, that verse 17 again, Ephesians 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. He used two terminologies, rooted, botanical terminology, grounded, architectural terminology. Buildings are not rooted. They are grounded. That's architectural. Trees are rooted. So it's like he's talking to you, I'm telling you to be rooted. That means I'm, I'm addressing you like a tree. In the first, first Corinthians 3, 9, it talks about we are the husbandry of God. We are God's farm, or we are God's husbandry, or we are God's field. We are God's field and God's building. All right? So he used the, the botanical terminology, being rooted, and at the same time, being grounded as a building that is growing. The, the house of God is the only building that grows. Trees grow, buildings don't grow. But the house of God is the only building that grows. Right? But being rooted and grounded, watch this, and the sphere of our operation should be in love. So you, as a Christian, you are supposed to be rooted and grounded in love. Love. When I talk about love, I'm not talking about nicey-nicey feeling about people. I'm talking about your, the love you have for God. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse, verse 22, it says that um, um, curse, uh, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus, let him be accursed. You, we are supposed to love Jesus. He called us into a love relationship. Ah, something is about to come, but I'm holding it back because I'm going somewhere. We are called into a love relationship. Love, say love. Love. We are called into a love relationship. So there's nobody who is born again. And if you are genuinely born again, a love for God, for Christ, didn't spark in your heart. If that thing hasn't sparked, you are not born again. It's a certain feeling that cannot be expressed. 
surprised. You feel so deep about God. It's deep in your heart. I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. It's a deep joy. The Bible calls it joy unspeakable. Deep joy. But as you walk and you grow in Christ, it, it can dwindle. It can diminish. And you get busy with a lot of other things like good work, going out to do outreach. But your love for God, for Christ, has diminished. Mm-hmm. So you can be very busy resisting false doctrines. But we diminish love. You can be very busy identifying people who don't teach the right false apostles. You can tell this one is a false apostle, we reject you. This one is wrong teaching, we reject you. You can be doing the works of God, but there's a problem with your love. Uh, And as long as the love factor begins to diminish, decline begins to set in. Christianity, oh, this is a good one. Christian, Christian love thrives on love and faith. Christian life, it thrives on love and faith. The reason why you are struggling to forgive is because you are low in love. The reason why you are struggling to bear with one another is because your love, la vomita. <laughs> la vomita is so low. Love. Both for God and his people. For I has not seen nor hear what God has prepared for those who love him. And so, love. Now, he says, watch, watch this, that you'll be rooted. Put, the, put it back. Okay, sorry. Uh, uh, verse 17. That God will try your heart by faith. You being rooted and grounded in love. Watch this, verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the, the, the width, the length, the depth, the height. Watch this. And to know what? The love of Christ. When I used to read, I used to think or to know God, and I realized it's talking about you have to have a certain dimension, insight into the love of Christ and walk in it. He said that you will know the love of Christ that is, uh, surpasses knowledge. Knowledge surpasses. It goes beyond just human knowledge. It goes, watch this, that you will know what is beyond knowing. That's what he's saying. It surpasses knowledge, but I say you should know it. Based on, oh, with the, say with the saints. If you look at the verse 17, look at verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your heart, being rooted and grounded uh, 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 in love. Go to the verse 18. That may be able to comprehend with all saints. So it's not you alone. You, it's always with others. The more you relate with others in fellowship, the more you are likely to grow and appreciate the love of Christ. Love can never be expressed in, uh, in isolation. If you have love, you must express it to somebody. You need some other person before you can say, me, I love people. Or me, I'm a man of love, I'm a woman of love. You, there must be something. Maybe you are talking about you love yourself. And that thing they say, Christ never tell, told us to, he said, love your neighbor. So Jesus never told us that love, he said, love your enemy, eh, love your neighbor as yourself. So they say, they tell you, you have to love yourself first. Excuse me, you already love yourself. Nobody hates, he said, he says for Ephesians chapter five, love your wife as your own self, for no man hates his own body. No man, but Jesus never said love 
love yourself first so you can love. He said, love your uh, neighbor as yourself because he, God knows that we all, that's how human beings are. Yeah. We, we, you won't put yourself on fire and say, I'm enjoying this. No. no. You see the way you love yourself? Yeah. Ouch! You love yourself. In fact, he gave us, you know what John 3.16 says? Yeah. But this one you won't forget. That's why I mentioned John 3.16. First John 3.16. He said, by this you know, uh, by, by this we know we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Die for others. That's the Christian. He did it so that we can also do it. Are you listening to me? He did it so we can do it. Don't say, oh, no, I, I can't love others more than myself. You already love yourself so much. He says that, that you'll be able to comprehend with the saints the width, the depths, the breadth, the heights. Okay, go to the next verse. verse. That you will know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge. That you may, so that you may end up being filled with the fullness of God. Knowing the love of Christ. So this was written to the Ephesian church. There were people who were in love. They resisted opposition. They were, oh, oh. God, this is good. When you are a man and a woman of love, you can endure for Christ. You can endure for Christ. You go through things which others won't go through. And you say, hey, ask me, I, won't, I won't allow anybody to treat me. I will never allow anybody to talk to me like that. Why do you allow anybody? And you say, it doesn't matter because I'm doing this for Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's, all, it's, it's okay to suffer for Christ, but endure. So the efficient church was like that. But something happened. Now, I actually have not explained. Maybe I'll do that next week. The, so Revelation said, this letter sent me to the seven churches. Now, these seven churches, this I need you to know quickly about these seven churches. These seven churches were actual churches that were in the city, or these cities were actual cities. They were not some fictitious cities or imaginary cities. They were real cities which were in Asia. So you could go and it's, it's like, uh, they were ge- geographical center, center. They had a real existence. And so the letter that was written to them had two dimensions. It was written to them to address situations that they needed to know, the church needed to know in that city. So it, it was existential in nature. In other words, it was written to them so that they can listen and act on it. So all the churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Tytara, uh, uh, Sardis, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. All these churches, or all these churches in these cities were real churches who were in the cities in Asia. Second thing I want you to notice is that every one of them, their name was, was reflective of their state. Very interesting. So the, the meaning of Ephesus, Ephesus is delight. So Ephesus was the church God delights in. Now watch this. Number three, so number one, they were real places and the churches were going through situations that were being addressed at that time. Even though it was being addressed at that time, what was being addressed had a prophetic dimension for the rest of the churches till Jesus came. All right? So it was predictive. It had prophetic dimension. And number two, they, um, number one, they were real places. Number, number two, it was being addressed. Uh, issues were being addressed. And their names reflected what they were going through. And number three, which is also very important for, for us to appreciate, that in spite of the fact that problems were being addressed, their names were synonymous to what they were going through. Jesus spoke to every one of them. Before he spoke to them, he described who he was. So, you know, I saw the man with eyes and all that. 
Everyone, before he speaks to them, said, this is who he describes himself based on the particular need of the church. Of the church. So he didn't describe himself with all the descriptions, the adjectives. He described himself. So when he's going to talk to a church, he talks to them from a particular angle of who he is because of their particular need. Does that make sense? It's very important to understand that. So these churches existed and letters were sent to these churches. First of them is Ephesus and not Ephesus. And much more. The other thing I also want you to know, the number four point is very, this is very important. These churches rep- represented the entirety of the Christian church from the time Jesus left to heaven till the time he's coming. So it's seven aspects of the church. The church of Ephesus was the church that was, after Jesus left, the early church, till the end of the first century. And the church of Ephesus, they went through a lot of persecution, they went through a lot of hardship, they went through a lot of difficulties, and yet they maintained their doctrine, they maintained their works, and so that's the church of Ephesus. Now, then you come to the church of Smyrna. The church of Smyrna was the extreme suffering church. They suffered so much. And then the church of Pergamos was the church that was married to the church, to the world. After Constantine came in, in the fourth, early part of the fourth century. Next week, I'll try and go there. So it's actually, watch this, what Jesus wrote to the local churches where all church history unfolded before the history happened. So if you want to know church history, that's what we are dealing with now in Revelation, the seven churches. Jesus began to talk about what the churches went through and the state of the church till he comes. Does that make sense? Now let me finish on Ephesians. So he said, this, Ephesians chapter 2, Verse, um, let's look at verse 2. Oh, sorry, Revelations. Please forgive me. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. But at least, you grab some. That's why you have to listen to the message over and over again. God. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstand, verse 2. I know, he starts by saying, I know your works. God said, I know your works. I'm aware of the things you are doing. Hey, hey. He said, I know your works. I know your works. Not only your works, the way you are going out doing outreach, the way you are constant in church, the way you keep serving faithfully. He said, yes, I know your works. I know your labors. Your labor, the way you are dedicated to the things. I know your labor. I know your patience. And that you cannot bear with those who are evil. I know you are doing well. I know you have tested those who are, see, who say they are apostles and are not. I know you have done well. I give you thumbs up. I know what you are doing. You are doing so well. I know that. And have found them to be lies. Verse 3. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, for my name's sake. And you have not become tired. I know. I know. I know. Say he knows my works. He said, I know your works. It's very interesting, brothers and sisters. Before I move on to verse 4. When it comes, listen to, don't miss this one. When it comes to, you know the church is the body of Christ? So when you talk about the body, it's a matter of the life of Christ. So a body must have life. Okay? As I said earlier, Ephesians chapter 1, it says the church is a body. Now, when you talk about the church is one new man, I taught this recently, one new man. 
It's about the person of Christ. But when you talk about, according to John 3, 29, the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. When we talk about the church being the bride, pastor, listen to this. You like, when we talk about the church being the bride of Christ, it's a matter of love. When you talk about the church being the body, is the life. The church being the new man is the person. But when you talk about the church being the bride of Christ, then you're talking about love. Because you can't have bride without love. When you mention bride, okay, Jeremiah 2.2. Hi, hi, this is good. Jeremiah 2.2, Jeremiah, look at it. He said, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem. Say, that's here's the Lord. I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. I remember your love because you were my bride. Give me the NIV. I think the NIV will say it in the interest. Go proclaim to the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember your devotion of the, the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you love me. How you love me. You love me and follow me through the desert, through the land. Not so. Hard times you still love. I said, bride, the bride loves the groom. We are the bride of Christ. He says, give me your love. Bible says, in the last days, parallel times shall come. People shall be lovers of themselves, but not lovers of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse, verse 2, before verse 4. Verse 2, verse 2 talks about, for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, hate, but lovers of themselves. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. On the traitors. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It's the sign of the end times. They love pleasure more than God. But why should the church love other things more than God? Pastors, don't let us love crowd more than God. Don't let us love the prosperity of our churches more than God. Don't let us do that. You are coming for a wedding and you love your suit more than the bride. You love the one singing, the music they are singing. You like the setting more than the bride. You are not, you are a fake groom. Or the bride is coming and they say the groom is there. She's not even happy, can't be bothered. As for, she, oh, everybody clapping for her. And then it goes, and then the groom, let me just tell my everybody to see and then after the wedding, you don't see her around the groom. He's just doing her own thing because now I'm married. You see, you are phony. You are fake. And that's what is happening to the church. He said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, you will love this. Matthew 24, verse 12. Talk, listen to this. He says that, and because of lawlessness, because lawless were abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness here means iniquity. Sin is increasing. So many people, your love is growing cold. I came to call you to your first love. Your love is growing cold. That's why anything at all takes your attention from Jesus. Your love is growing cold. Your love is becoming just orthodox and mechanical. That's why you are busy. He said, I know your works. You hate those who are liars. I realize I can be busy looking for scriptures to preach, but my heart towards God can be cold. My love. 
I'm a bride. We are bride. Bride, first of all, let's think about the love for the groom. He said, because iniquity shall abound. The love of many. Are you one of the many? Are we one of the many? Are we one of the many? The love of many shall grow. And in the last days, there will be lovers of themselves, more than lovers of God. Sorry, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Lovers of party, more than lovers of God. Lovers of fans, more than lovers of God. Love! No wonder I asked Peter, do you love me more than these things? So the Ephesian church was a church which understood love. And that's why they were able, so the first early church, that's why they were able to do the things they were doing. He said, I know your works. Revelation chapter 2 verse 2 again. I know your works. And I'll show you later, next week, all of them, he told them, I know your works. Every one of the church, he said, I know your works. Some of them, he told them to repent, like Ephesians. He told them, repent. Repent. Someone, look at this. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are, and are not, and have uh, found them liars. I mean, what? This is good way, good. I know your works. Oh, well, no, verse 3. And you have, you have persevered, you are trying, even though others have given up, you haven't given up. You haven't given up and, and have labored for my namesake. Next week, I'll talk about namesake if I get a chance to. Namesake, how they beat them. It's the Bible says that Paul has received letters from Jerusalem to come and look for all those who call on the name. They counted themselves. They were happy that they have been counted worthy to suffer for the name. The name. The name. He said, they will reject you for my name. Here at the church of Ephesus, he said, for my name's sake. What I said, if, if, just let me leave it to so I don't come to it. What I said earlier, Acts chapter 9, verse 14, and Acts chapter um, 5, verse 41, and then uh, um, John chapter 15, verse 21. But he says, for my name's sake, and you have not been weary. Then look at the next verse. This is a boring one. Nevertheless, ah, I have something against you. How can you have something against somebody like this? How can Christ say, I have something against somebody who is doing all these things? What have you done wrong then? Why? Jesus, and he says, why? You have, that is the problem. My problem is your love. You have left your first love. Even though you are doing all these things, it's loveless or your love is low. So that is my problem. And watch this. Because of the decline or because of their love that went slow, that's what's affected the rest. Every problem in the church stems from low of low in life. Love. Your love affects everything. I know you are trying. You are working. We can see your works. But your love. Jesus said, I have something against you. He said, this I have against you, your love, your love, your love. Let's, let love undergird everything you attempt to do in church and for God. Before you start hijacking the church and everybody, you know, I've done this and no one is appreciating me. Who should appreciate you? 
You fed your child and you want the children to, the baby to appreciate you? I thought you said, I love my child so much. Why are you bullying your child for paying school fees? Why? It's your responsibility. You have no, it's not something. Yeah, the child, children must remember and honor their prayer, whether they pay or they don't pay. But he said, you have done all these things for my name's sake, but I have something against you. You have left your first love. And the word first love, the word first is the same word that is in um, John, sorry, Luke 15, 22. He said, bring the best robes. So what the prodigal father, I said, yes, yes. the father said to his servant, bring the best. The word best is the same as love. Mm. So first. first right. The Greek word, the same Greek word. So when he said your first love, it means your best love. You have left it. You have left your best love. And that is the problem I have against you. And then look at the next verse. Verse five. Nevertheless, uh, remember, therefore, where you have fallen and repent. Repent and do the first works, or else I'll come and quickly remove, I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. 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 Change your ways. Change your ways. Second, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it talks about God. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning, watch this. The Lord is not slow concerning promises, as some count slowness. Okay? But it's long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He told the church, this church, Ephesians church, the church of Ephesus, who understood the language of love, they've left their first love, yet they are very busy. You came for outreach yesterday, but your love is cold. You have not missed any of the outreaches. You have not missed any service. But yet, your love is cold. He said, I know your works. As for your works, they are good. But your love is bad. Repent. Else, I'll come and take, I'll come quickly and take away the cup. <laughs> I'll come quickly. <laughs> First love. Remember when you got born again? The way you can't have enough of church now, every little time you are sleeping. And, and you are always in a hurry to leave church. Yeah, I know you have other important things, but it's because of the nature of your love. Where a man treasure is, there he has his heart will also be. Repent. Repent and return to your first works. It's work of love. Let it not go on record from today that the way you love God is significantly different from when you began. And we start to pray. You are complaining about everything in church. When I was sick, no one called me. When my boss called me for querying. And so even me, I won't go to K group again. Stay! Stay there. I think that K group was made for me. It's made for lovers who want to grow and be nourished in Christ. Yes. Love. 
that, that you will help us to return to our first love. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> that you convict our hearts that we will feel comfortable in sin. Oh Lord, we have erred, we have strayed from our love. For you said that the end of the commandment, the end of all this teaching, the end of all this is love from a pure heart. Lord, help us. Help us to return, to return, to repent and return to our first love so that you don't come and take out the candlestick. Father, help us. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.